Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode. And we are so excited to be able to talk with Ann Burns, who's the Vice President of Professional Affairs at the American Pharmacists Association during this episode. I was able to connect with Ann during a visit to Washington, D.C. this summer. And if you ever have the chance to go visit the American Pharmacist Association headquarters in D.C., go do it. They have one of the premier locations right on the National Mall and such a fabulous view of the Capitol and the Washington Monument. So definitely try to go get a tour or check out uh, the awesome headquarters that is there in Washington, D.C. if you're ever in the area. And was able to catch up to hear all about the different initiatives that she's focused on for the association, including advancing pharmacists, uh, patient care services, and team-based care delivery models. Um, Also looking at healthcare quality, pharmacy practice accreditation, and credentialing. Anne has been a pharmacy leader for many years, and you'll be excited to hear more from her in the episode. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is the Vice President of Professional Affairs at the American Pharmacist Association, Ann Burns. APHA, or the American Pharmacist Association, is the largest pharmacy association in the country, representing every part of the profession. Anne joined APHA's education department in 1997 and transitioned to the Professional Affairs Department in 99 to focus on pharmacists, patient care services, and community pharmacy residency program accreditation. Prior to joining APHA, she served on the faculty at The Ohio State University College of Pharmacy, and Anne is a graduate of OSU and completed the Wharton Executive Management Program for Pharmacy Leaders. Anne, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you, Hillary. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro and maybe share a little bit more about your personal life. Sure. Um, And I think you covered it very well. I would just add that my background and roots are in community pharmacy practice In the early 80s, I worked in an independent community pharmacy in a medical office building, which really gave me an excellent perspective on caring for patients, being on the front lines, and really has informed all of the career and professional choices um, that I've made throughout my career. I was at Ohio State for 13 years before coming to APHA, and I love teaching and I love working with students. And so I've been able to use those two backgrounds to really um, help inform the work that I do at APHA, which is more broad and strategic in nature. 
From the personal side, um, I've been married for almost 40 years to my wonderful husband, Tom. I have two sons and three grandchildren who I adore. Um, I love the outdoors. Uh, I love to scuba dive. I've done some non-technical mountain climbing, which really have helped to push me be, uh, to take more risks uh, from the personal side. And I think another area that has really helped to um, inform my work is in the last few years, I have uh, served as a caregiver for a family member who is a chronic pain patient. And uh, that has really changed my world as far as um, looking at the roles and contributions that pharmacists can play within the healthcare system. Sure. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit more. That was really interesting and helpful to hear more about um, what perspectives are really helping to shape um, how you're viewing the the pharmacy practice and, and leading um, in that way. So, Anne, first, can you tell us a little bit more about APHA and about your role as VP of Professional Affairs? Well, APHA represents pharmacists in all practice settings, as you mentioned, Hillary. And our mission as an organization is solely focused on advancing pharmacist patient care services under sustainable business models. We really want to see the extensive education and training that pharmacists get put to good use. And often it's said that pharmacists are the most underutilized healthcare professional within the healthcare system. And APHA's activities, our strategies, our programs are all focused to that end. Um, you mentioned we, we are the largest pharmacy organization. We're also the oldest. Um, our building is on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., so we have a wonderful home for pharmacy. Uh, we have a dedicated staff and members who uh, really represent the perspectives of all pharmacists. And that allows us, as we are working in an advocacy perspective or working with other organizations and policymakers, to really represent a unified voice for pharmacists because we have members in all of the different practice settings. So we can work to try to identify what are the best messages that can help others to understand the role that pharmacists can play across the, across the spectrum. Um, we offer a variety of education programs. We have staff who are dedicated to lobbying on Capitol Hill for pharmacist patient care services, and also within the regulatory agencies. And we are an organization that reaches out to do a lot of collaboration on behalf of the pharmacy profession, making sure that pharmacists are at the table for new clinical guidelines or for legislative um, efforts around certain uh, areas. Yeah, that is really helpful to learn more about all of the different things uh, that APHA is doing. Uh, there's so many and um, a great way to get involved. There's a lot of different um, special interest groups. Um, I'm 
excited about the newest one uh, that's for the underserved populations and excited uh, that that one just rolled out as a new uh, SIG uh, at the annual meeting here in Nashville uh, this past spring. So lots of ways for members to get involved and, and just helpful to hear about all of the different ways that APHA is leading the pharmacy profession and, and serving the, the pharmacy profession. Um, so I was going to okay. add the, the, the special interest group that you mentioned, Hillary, is focused on pharmacists working in underserved uh, communities. And given our provider status efforts to try to engage, to try to make sure pharmacists are recognized and, and their services are covered in Medicare Part B, um, we feel that this group, number one, is very important because of the needs of these patients, but then also to advance the work that pharmacists are doing in this area. And we do have, this is our 10th special interest group. So we'd really encourage uh, listeners to check, to check these interest groups out and to join the ones that, um, that they're interested in. Yeah, that is, that's really helpful. Um, And Anne, so as the VP of Professional Affairs, what are some of the main initiatives that you're focused on? So my responsibilities are more strategic and forward-looking, I would say. Uh, it's really working on a number of initiatives that are going to be critical to have in place in order for pharmacists to optimize their role as a patient care provider. So my portfolio consists of working on a variety of of payment models, monitoring the landscape as to how pharmacists are, are being paid, who is paying them, what are the types of billing codes that are being used. I'm doing work on new care delivery models and new payment models like accountable care organizations and medical homes. Along with that, a lot of these models are called value-based models and uh, being able to measure the quality of care that is delivered is a critical component. So I, I work in the quality measurement area and serve on the board of directors of the Pharmacy Quality Alliance. I'm responsible for a lot of external outreach, so developing collaboration with organized medicine, uh, organizations like the American Medical Association and and AMGA, which is formerly the American Medical Group Association. Uh, I do a lot of monitoring of pharmacist scope of practice in the states, including uh, emerging uh, scopes such as statewide protocols and improvements in collaborative practice authorities. Um, I work more peripherally on making sure pharmacists have access to information through the electronic health record. Um, APHA is a member of the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative that is um, doing a lot of work to make sure that that happens. Um, I'm doing a lot of work on the opioid epidemic right now. What are pharmacists' roles related to appropriate pain management and also treatment of individuals who have substance or opioid use disorder? 
And then more from the global professional perspective, I lead the pharmacist patient care process work group, which is a work group under the the, um, purview of the Joint Commission of Pharmacy Practitioners, which is a, a coalition of national pharmacy organizations. And that work group is working to try to standardize aspects of pharmacist practice so we can better measure the value of their services and has produced the pharmacist patient care process in 2014, has recently revised the profession's medication management definition. Um, so, so working to put a lot of things in place that will help pharmacists uh, to practice more effectively within team-based care as we move forward. Wow. Well, you are definitely stay busy. <laughs> there are a lot of things that uh, you are sharing uh, that are on your plate and um, a lot of, of, of so many things happening in healthcare right now. Uh, in areas where pharmacy can really make a difference from the opioid epidemic, as you mentioned, to genomics, to healthcare technology. Um, how do you stay current uh, with all that's going on in healthcare and specifically within the pharmacy field? That's a great question. And I'm sure everyone feels the challenges of how do you stay up as stay up to date as more and more information becomes available? Um, I, I think the first thing that's important to me is effective networking, um, especially within my portfolio of initiatives that I work on. I make sure that I'm networking with individuals and thought leaders in the area which helps to um, broaden my horizons and also inform um, that the the way that APHA will approach different initiatives. I subscribe to a number of electronic newsletters that that are key to the areas that I work in. And I think it's very helpful to have news pushed to me versus going out and searching for it. Um, and that includes the, the daily newsletters that APHA puts out that have really a lot of top-line healthcare news. Uh, we're also very lucky here at the association that we have a knowledge information specialist that collates a lot of healthcare-related news from across a variety of different sources and provides it to us on a regular basis. And so... Um, That helps because a lot of the work I do is policy related. I do subscribe to newsletters from CMS and some of the other government agencies, the CDC, that that really can also help keep me up to date. Uh, But really networking with people who are out on the front lines experiencing a lot of the healthcare decisions that are being made is, is one of the best ways to, to stay apprised with what's happening because you're really seeing the consequences of policy decisions playing out uh, for both pharmacists, other providers, and their patients. 
Yeah, that that's very helpful. And I will echo um, what you said about the APHA daily briefing. I think that is a really well curated um, set of information. And I always look forward to reading that every day just to stay on top of, of all the information as well. Um, so you've spoken a lot about quality, uh, and, and I know that in, you know, healthcare, we're really starting to look at outcomes, um, and, you know, demonstrating the value. And so team-based care that's really centered around the patient is starting to be seen across the country and pharmacists are increasingly, you know, being an integral part of those teams, uh, particularly in the primary care setting. Um, how are you seeing the role of pharmacists evolve and fit into, you know, these new models um, and even, you know, the new population health models that um, are, you know, being demonstrated across the country? It's a great question, Hillary, and I cannot stress enough the importance of pharmacists tuning into these models and taking advantage of the opportunities that they are starting to bring to uh, practicing pharmacists within the profession. Um, I really see this in several different buckets, and I think one of the important things about team-based models, value-based models, is that they're, they're really disrupting the way that healthcare is paid for, approached, and delivered. And it's really that disruption that is opening the doors for pharmacists to be looked at in new ways. Because in these models, the decision makers are looking for what provider can give us the best outcomes for the least amount of money because value is really all about the outcomes that you're seeking, how much you're willing to pay for those outcomes, and then the cost of delivering that care. And so some of the buckets are, um, I think the first one is probably one that that pharmacists would be most familiar with, and that would be including pharmacists as part of patient care teams. And often that happens in what we call the embedded model, where the pharmacist is actually working in the physician practice, working in a clinic, they're working side by side with physicians, nurses, um, case managers, a variety of different healthcare professionals, and they're really being looked to for their medication-related expertise. And I think the unique thing is um, instead of the traditional model, which is you're in there, you're providing care, everybody appreciates that you're there. In these team-based care models, everybody's focused on, can we meet these outcomes measures for our patients that, that the decision makers are expecting that we meet? So we have the embedded model for direct patient care, we're also seeing some movement to what we call more of the virtual team model, where a pharmacist could be connected to a physician office practice for sharing of information and more of a team-based approach, but they're virtual. Um, we are also seeing a lot of telehealth emerging. And so I think we have to be thinking about the opportunities broadly in the direct patient care role 
And it's likely that they will be in embedded models, but we also will likely see models uh, where it's more virtual, where it might be a pharmacist in a community pharmacy or a pharmacist working in a telehealth capacity. So that's one role that we see. Um, we also see pharmacists in kind of these melded managerial roles within a practice, a physician practice, or a um, clinic where the pharmacist may start out in a direct patient care role, but then move into more of a managing role where maybe they are managing other healthcare providers who are delivering some of the services under evidence-based guidelines. So it may be somewhat of a melded model where they may be delivering some patient care but they also may be also overseeing some of the more global aspects of care within the practice because a lot of providers really like working with pharmacists because we're very detailed and we're very evidence-based and, and um, that can play well for a position like that. And then I think one of the most intriguing um, opportunities for pharmacists was uh, the one that you mentioned in a population health management role. And that truly is more of a global role for pharmacists, uh, where pharmacists are often working with data. Um, they're looking at populations of patients and who's at risk, who needs to be targeted for certain services to improve their health, how could pharmacists be working with physicians to make sure that they're following evidence-based prescribing guidelines, um, looking at outcomes and quality metric scores for the practice, and then designing programs to help improve those quality metric scores? Um, so there, with, with all of these new models, there's a significant population health management focus uh, and pharmacists with their medication expertise and the fact that medications often play a significant role in how disease progresses um, and, and also in preventative activities can, can really play a really important role within the population health management realm. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for sharing a little bit more about some of the different models that you're seeing um, and some of some of the new roles where pharmacists um, can really be integrated, whether that's um, physically located in a clinic or um, maybe more virtual um, and using some technology and things like that to um connect with uh, their, you know, physician or um, nursing teams or other individuals on the, the care team. Um, well, we've talked a lot about different uh, changes and things in pharmacy. Is, is there anything else that maybe we haven't touched on yet that uh, is really exciting you about the future of pharmacy? I would say that there are just so many new opportunities coming on the horizon. And one of the one of the fears that we always have is that pharmacists may not embrace these changes or explore these opportunities soon enough that we miss the opportunity. So you know, the opioid epidemic is 
is is a perfect example where there is critical need within the healthcare system. There are a lot of gaps in care. There are lots of opportunities for pharmacists to help address the opioid epidemic and demonstrate what they can, what they can, uh, the value they can bring to the healthcare system. And sometimes it's just very difficult in extremely busy practices to get outside of what's happening on the day to day and maybe what changes could be made to start to move in a new direction. So I, you know, I would just encourage pharmacists to network, to become more involved in their organizations, which whatever those organizations are, we always hope that it's APHA. But really, we have a collective need as a profession to make sure that with all of the opportunities that are presenting in the disruptive healthcare system we're living in, that, that we really are engaged so that we can be part of the solution for the long term. Yes, absolutely. I um, completely agree. And that's some, some really great advice. Um, so Anne, as our final question, is there any additional advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? I, I would say three things, Hillary. And this is just based on the fact that I tend to be risk averse, but over many, many years, I've learned to embrace risk more or taking risks. So the first would be to be more comfortable working outside of your comfort zone when new career and personal opportunities present, because I found that those opportunities have often been the best way for me to grow both personally and professionally. Uh, the second we've talked about, and that would be more exploring outside of the traditional career fields and understanding what your options are. And the third would be to keep your professional involvement. I don't think I appreciated that as much when I got out of school as I do today, but it's really the connections with others who are doing innovative things that have really made my career most, most rewarding. Well, Anne, thank you so much for taking some time to to be on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. And and I definitely agree with, with some of the advice that you've shared you know, being able to attend conferences, uh, for instance, like APHA or, or ASHP, I've a attended some of those as well as, as a resident and student, because it having that in-person connection uh, is just so valuable. I think that, you know, there are a lot of forums now. Uh, APHA has um, some, the Engage platform where you can find other pharmacists who are in similar fields um, and really make some connections in that way. But um, attending conferences and, and getting to maybe even just in the local setting, uh, you know, within your state association is just a great way to stay on top of what's happening and, and to network as you've 
definitely mentioned. It was such a pleasure to have you on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, and thank you for being a guest. Thank you, Hillary. I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. And if you're a student or new grad or resident and you are struggling with student loans, I know the guys over at Your Financial Pharmacist, and they have put together an online course just for you. Uh, So head over to www.pharmacyadvisory.com slash student loan course to check that out. This episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.